This is episode 33 of the Landscape Photography Show, and on today's episode, we have a special guest. Michael Shane Bloom joins us, and I know a lot of you have probably heard of Michael. You've probably seen a lot of his work. You probably watch his YouTube videos. You might have even heard him on another podcast and listened to his answers to a lot of questions. My goal of this interview was really to dive deep into Michael's journey into photography and some of the things that you can do based on his experience of some of the things that he's gone through in photography. I didn't want to ask the same old questions, even though I did ask the same old questions of how he got started in photography, which is what I like to do on the start anyways. But I wanted to ask him some questions that maybe he's possibly never even thought of or considered or been asked in another interview before. So I think you're really going to get a lot of value out of our discussion and also hear a lot of his thoughts that you've never heard before. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome into the podcast. On today's podcast, we have a special guest with us. He is Michael Shane Bloom. You may have heard of him. He has several hundred thousand followers throughout the platforms of Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and everything that comes with social media. So, Michael, uh, just thank you for coming on and chatting with us. Hey, thanks so much for having me, David. I I really appreciate it. It's awesome to be here. I know we spoke a, a while ago um on i can't remember if it was this podcast or uh perhaps your previous podcast but i had a lot of fun so i'm excited to be back yeah man that was like gosh that had to have been almost eight years ago was it really that long ago eight years yeah yeah because we chatted i remember because it was the day after uh my wife had her kidney removed and i was like trying to balance all of this housework and like figure everything out but i also didn't want to cancel um oh, so that like rings true to me in my memory of when that was oh that's crazy yeah 8 years time you know especially in this industry time really flies i cannot believe it's been 8 years but either way yeah excited to be back well, we knew how you got started, and I kind of asked you about it in that podcast that was obviously eight years ago, but why don't you give us a refresher on kind of like your backstory in photography, how you got started, and what kind of led you to where you are right now? For sure. I'll, I'll, I'll try and be brief since I'm sure people are like, oh no, he's going to talk about how he got started again. <laughs> people are probably sick of hearing it. But uh, I started photography basically the first time I was ever uh, exposed to photography. That was a bad pun. Um, I, was, I was exposed uh, in, in a darkroom class in middle school. It was a summer school class that I had to take because my parents were like, hey, you need to take summer school. And um, I took like a typing course uh, and and some other courses and we got two electives. The first elective that I chose was uh, doing mosaics. And then the second one was kind of like a 35 millimeter photography class with uh, darkroom processing. And so some awesome photographers um, some local photographers, film photographers got to help us, us kids out. And man, I, I had so much fun 
in that class. It was incredible. It was my favorite part of the summer. I didn't really have the ability to utilize that afterwards, though. I had no money for film, and, and at the time, I didn't have a film camera to use. Um, but in high school, I got a DSLR. Uh, that was right before high school, like, you know, I think it was a month or two after that class, actually. And uh, that's when it all started for me. I started taking pictures every single day. I brought my camera everywhere. It was always with me. Um, yeah, it, it was with me every single moment of pretty much every single day. Uh, and I just fell in love with the craft. It's amazing. You know, I've always been interested in art ever since I was a little kid. And there's something about photography that just really stuck with me. Um, I, I, don't, I don't really know how to describe it other than that. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. Were you able to pull other types of techniques from art that you enjoyed doing when you were younger or even like your mosaics class into photography? Definitely. Um, I think it all kind of blended, uh, you know, even from painting. It, it always just comes from all the little ideas and thoughts that I have in my head that I want to express um, different concepts, even if it's kind of, you know, corny or cheesy, like for photography, um, early on, I, I didn't really, I did a little bit of landscape just around San Diego and I would hike around and with my camera and try and take pictures of things. But, um, I was doing all sorts of photography and creating little stories in my head. And even in post-processing, like I learned Photoshop, uh, pretty early on in, in photography. And I would just play around with the images sometimes i had no idea what i was even doing with the images <laughs> i would i would take like a picture of i don't know what's a good example i don't know a picture of of my friend riding a bike and then i would start like mirroring that and you know creating all these gradients and colors and weird distortion and i'd add text and then i'd draw on the picture and um i had a blast with the whole process of it because i did come from painting and drawing and sketching and cartoons. And um, so I, I that was an element that I wanted to put into my photography, too. And honestly, I, I was happy doing anything artistic as long as I was able to express myself and and, you know, get out all my weird, sometimes stupid, quirky ideas. <laughs> Do you remember the first time that you either earned something from doing photography or even thought to yourself, I could actually do this as a career? Um, well, as far as like earning something, I was earning stuff every single day because for me, you know, I've, I've, I don't know, everyone as a kid, right? In high school, you go through times where you're not feeling so great. And to be honest, I mean, this throughout, actually, it's throughout my whole life. Photography's gotten me through pretty much every, like, bad part of my life, you know? Um, so I was always getting things from photography uh, ever since I started. I mean, it, it brought me true happiness. Like, I have a lot in my life to dedicate uh, to, to photography as a craft. Um, as far as, like, when I thought I could make it as a career... Early on, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not that great at most things. I think photography was the one thing I found that I'm like, wow, I, I think I could do this. You know, I, I think like I'm, I'm proud of what I'm creating here. Uh, I didn't feel like that about most things, especially not 
um, things in school. Like, you know, I saw other classmates doing really well with, with math and science and, and, uh, English and all sorts of, uh, you know, different topics. And I just, I was terrible in school and, you know, I was, I was like, I knew I, I had something with art, like that's where I was happy. And that's what I felt like I, I might have a knack at, um, with photography, you know, I started pretty early on taking pictures for work. Um, it started really when I was 16 and I, I started getting hired for different photo projects. Um, I explored every genre of photography I possibly could. It didn't matter what it was. I would try and take a picture of it. So, um, you know, I got really into band photography, uh, concerts, but also taking like band promo images. And I got a little bit of money that way. I got really into action sports, skateboarding photography, and I got a few images published in some magazines, made a little bit of money that way. Weddings, events, um, senior portraiture, just anything I could get my hands on that I could get a little bit of money because I, I just wasn't getting hired by um, any any other place. I didn't have the resume. And so that's how I was earning, generating money early on. And I think at that point when I was 16 and I was exploring that idea, I think I said to myself, you know, this this would be fun to do as a career because it's it's something I can do every single day and enjoy it. Um, so I kind of I knew I wanted to do something related in art, um, something in art in high school. But I, I was like 70 percent sure that that would probably be photography. That's pretty emotionally mature, though, being that young and understanding that you were able to express yourself or anything that you were going through that was difficult through an art form that was photography. I don't know if I realized it at the time. You know, like I look back on those times and I'm like, photography was what got me through. I'm not sure if I realized it while it was happening. Mm. Um, but man, yeah, I I had so much fun taking pictures. I mean, I still do. It's it's so fun editing the pictures, taking the pictures, talking about photography. Um, the only thing I don't like in photography, I just, I'm, I, I, the business side of it, uh, admittedly, is not as fun <laughs> as everything else. But uh, why is that? Oh man, it's just not. I'm, I'm just not that person. Uh, I love creating the art. I love creating the art, dealing with the business side and, and, you know, just writing emails and dealing with contracts. That's, that's the part that I'm less a fan of, but it is a necessary part. You know, anyone who, if you see like a travel photographer and you're like, wow, they, they're just out taking pictures all the time. Well, eh, not really. We're, we're here doing a lot of the same paperwork that every other person in, in business is, is doing. Um, taking the pictures and editing the pictures is only a fraction of, of what it takes to, to be a professional photographer or a professional filmmaker. Do you see that as a common misconception of a lot of people who, you know, I'm sure you get tons of comments. Like, I wish I could do what you do. Mm -hmm. Is that a common misconception, like the business side and how much of that plays a role into day-to-day -day life? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, I mean, my daily life is pretty, mundane it's the same thing as everyone else's i wake up i fill out some emails i you know hang out in my office edit a few pictures and you know 
go go for a run or go for a hike um and then and then of course i i take pictures but i have friends who have full-time jobs who take more pictures than i do you know like they're out every single every single day they get off work they're out taking pictures i you know i work pretty long hours doing the business side of this um and working on the tutorials and doing you know editing the time lapses and it, it's quite a bit of work um i have friends who have actually uh, gone, they've 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 gone from being a professional photographer to going back to having a full time job, so that they could, they they felt like they almost lost their passion for photography when it became a career, like they had to do it all the time, and it became less fun. And then once they got their full time job back, they would go shoot recreationally, and they're incredible photographers. But they actually said, you know, um, going full time was a mistake for them. So it takes a certain type of personality to to do it full time. It's, it's not for everyone. Um, it, it comes with its, its pros and cons for sure. But as far as traveling goes, you know, I do travel for work. I, I, I have, um, certain trips paid for, but a lot of the trips I do, I do on my own and I, I've figured out ways of making it really cheap. I mean, a lot of me and my friends, when we go out, I'll just pack my car. Um, I have a tent and a bunch of camping stuff and I mostly just camp, eat cheap food, make my own food, stay in cheap hotels uh, or cheap motels. It's it's actually not quite as expensive to travel as people think, as long as you're, you know, obviously flights are super expensive. And if you're going to another country, that's another story. But um, as far as just the trips that I take up and down Oregon and and to the Southwest and Death Valley and all these places, I mean, I'm just really packing up my car and keeping it pretty cheap. I love that about like our trips that we go on because the places we stay are typically some pretty sketchy locations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of motels, a lot of motel six and uh, super eights and stuff like that. But then, you know, it's, I don't mind sleeping in my car, sleeping in a tent. I like, it's so fun sleeping in a tent or, or, you know, sleeping in the car. If, if a tent doesn't seem like an option. Now, looking back, we did a little bit of reminiscing on, your early career, you know, some of the things you dabbled in starting out when I read through some of the clients that you've, that you've worked with, that you have on your website, Nike, Samsung, Facebook, LG, Apple, Google, is that surreal looking back and now looking at what you've been able to do with your photography? Yeah. Uh, I'm just really, I'm really happy. I'm, I'm happy that anyone wanted to work with me at all. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, it, it was really surreal. You know, it was the most surreal when it first started happening. Um, like when I was in college, I, I remember getting, I remember getting, I've worked with Nike twice that they were like one of my first clients. Uh, and I worked, yeah, one of my first time lapses that I licensed was for a Nike ad for Kobe rest in peace. Um, I mean, just think about the yeah. in and of itself. Like you just said, my first client was Nike. That's ridiculous. Well, it was my first big client where I was like, oh, wow. That that was the first client that I had that I was like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe. I, and I thought it was a fake email and, and it was, you know, somebody trying to scam me. I was like, I cannot believe uh, they want to use my stuff. Um, it was amazing. Yeah, I never thought. Yeah, I never thought in a million years I would I would be able to work with 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 yeah, anyone. I mean, I I as you know, when I first picked up that camera, I kind of said to myself, 
I, I started saying to myself, wow, it'd be so cool to be a, a photographer. And really, I think in the back of my head, landscape photography and cityscape and filmmaking and capturing nature, that was always what I was the most passionate about. I mean, I did all the other stuff. I did portraiture. I did product photography. I studied to be a commercial photographer um, in studio. But it just wasn't really where my passion in photography was. I, I think I knew that landscape was the thing that I wanted to do. But I, I got pulled in a lot of different directions. And even in photography, I had a lot of people telling me that it was pretty unrealistic to try and do landscape photography. You know, I mean, I looked at the Nat Geo photographers and I'm like, man, that is a true dream right there. Like I could not think in a million years you know, I could ever work with Nat Geo and then, and then it happens and you're like, whoa, this is kind of crazy right now. Yeah. Why does landscape stand out? Oh man, it's, you know, it's the whole experience. It's the whole experience of being able to, because I'm not only capturing and taking these, you know, I'm not only taking pictures and having these pictures of, of a rainbow over a sand dune or, you know, uh, watching the lightning strike the Golden Gate Bridge, I'm there. Like that's the experience, and it's amazing every single time. I'm. It, it's so fun to be out there, um, just in nature, and yeah, you know, it's 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 what I live for is is being out there and exploring and being able to see these incredible places and then put my own spin on them and find oh you know what that's a beautiful rock formation down there. Oh, you see how that rock formation leads into that group of trees right there. That's incredible. Wow. Look at the clouds up, up above and then you can capture that and put your spin on it, put your creativity on it, show, you know, the compositions that you found and it just never gets old. It's so fun. It's, it's really a blast. I, I've, I've been able to see so many places I never thought I would be able to see through photography. I barely ever traveled when I was a kid. I think, there was a time where I didn't set foot on a plane for like 10 years. I remember the first time I set foot on a plane, it was after it was like right after college and I went to Arizona and I was so scared to be on a plane. <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> what is visual storytelling to you and, and your style of photography? Hmm. Visual storytelling. Well, it's on your website. I mean, I'm just pulling it from there, man. Yeah. Visual storytelling. <laughs> It could mean a bunch of different things. I mean, you can tell so many different stories through a photograph, right? Um, maybe the story is about the location and about a certain moment that happened at that location. That's a little bit more literal. You know, it's a little bit more photojournalistic in a sense, like, mm-hmm. like the gold, you know, the lightning capturing the gold or uh, the lightning striking the Golden Gate Bridge that happened. And then I, captured that and shared it and it was about this just really incredible moment that I've been trying to capture for five or six years Um, but then in in visual storytelling I mean you can tell kind of fantastical stories through the images as well like in the Dolomites I have an example actually like one of the tutorials I have for the Dolomites it was like this dark processing of these mountains with this storm cloud overhead and these mountains they don't look like they should be real um they look like something out of lord of the rings or game of thrones mm-hmm. yeah and you know i took the image of these mountains these beautiful spires in the dolomites and 
these storm clouds overhead and and I really brought out the luminance and the drama in the clouds I made it really dark and moody and I thought to myself it feels like a dragon is going to fly through this frame so in a in a sense you know the story that I'm creating for that image is a little bit less literal um you know I'm really thinking of it like like a fairy tale in, in that sense um you can make up, you know, a bunch of different stories through through photographs. It does. It can totally be literal. There there doesn't have to be any sort of story in that sense. Like you could take a picture and be like, "This is a rain. This is a I don't know. <laughs> you know, this is a beautiful sunset. It's over the over the ocean. Here you go. There, there's nothing more to it. It's just a beautiful photograph. Um, and it and it shows what I saw at that place, and it was great. Or you can, you know, think of all these different ideas while you're composing the image. Like, what what do the rocks in the foreground mean relative to the background? Is there a story there? Is there a contrast there? So, you know, I'm thinking about that a lot. Sometimes there might not be a deeper meaning to the image, but a lot of a lot of the times there is. How do you portray that taking it from the field into post-processing? Well, that that also depends, you know, because sometimes sometimes the conditions that you're given tell the exact story that needed to be told. Like sometimes you're standing there and going back to the ocean, let's, you know, let's say I'm standing on the beach and and I see an incredible burst of color come through and these cotton candy clouds, like these mammatus clouds start popping with red tones and it's reflecting on the foreground and I get this this swoosh of water that comes in reflecting all the light that I don't have to do much with that. You know, mm -hmm. the, the, the conditions gave me, you know, I, I process it a little bit, bring out the tones. Um, but, but I, I don't, I don't do much with, with that. Uh, whereas, you know, let's say it's like an overcast day and here, here's a good example, like, uh, an overcast day I was shooting on the cliffs and, um, I was shooting on the cliffs in San Francisco and there's this spot where you can see a rock formation in the distance and it has this little carved out heart shape in the rock and i thought wow that's really cool it's such a cool rock formation and i saw this this guy walk out onto the beach this lone figure walking out onto the beach it was this gloomy foggy day super foggy um, you could barely see what was in the distance besides that rock formation in the heart and to me, I was looking at this composition and I was like, this is a story right here. This is a guy who's who's hopeful and he's he's searching through this like fog for maybe love or, or you know, it, it just felt like it had a deeper meaning than just, hey, I'm going to capture this foggy scene of this rock formation and this guy on the beach. It, it felt like, no, this guy's searching and this heart is in the rock and, you know, he's he's not sure what what's, you know, what's out there in the distance because it's foggy. We can't see it. But. It, it felt like there was so much deeper meaning to this. Um, so when I processed it, I kind of, I, I, I created these sort of somber, uh, almost melan melancholy blue tones. It was, it was a lot darker uh, than a lot of images that, that I have. And, and I sort of processed to reflect that concept and idea I had come up with while I was capturing the image. Um, so a lot of images go through that where you're capturing it and you're like, you know, this is the the mood that's going to reflect the story that I want to tell. And that isn't always the case. Sometimes I get back and I'm like, oh, you know, I'll experiment with a bunch of different 
you know, things. Sometimes I'll try a darker process. Sometimes I'll try a brighter one. But a lot of the times in field, I am thinking about um, what type of post-processing is going to best reflect the story. Yeah, that reminds me, Michael, of what Gavin Hardcastle said about you a few episodes ago. You know, I was asking him about some of the photographers that he looks up to mm-hmm. and draws influence from and your name came up and he was talking about how you have this tendency to look like you're not doing anything at all but then in that process you create this like unbelievable picture or you know time lapse sequence or just like a very soft video clip of like flowers blowing in the wind. <laughs> That's such an interesting. Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> I don't look like I'm doing anything. That's that probably makes sense. I uh, <laughs> you know what? I have a very relaxed approach to photography. Um, I just kind of go with the flow. I don't try and rush anything. I found that anytime, you know, I, I've, I've been doing this for quite a, quite a, you know, a while and, and well, at least in, in my eyes, like most of my life now, um, I've been taking pictures and I've found that over the years, the more that I try and rush to take a photograph or to shoot a time lapse or shoot a video clip, um, the less connection I have with it, um, the less thought and effort gets put into it, the more I just kind of take a step back, relax take a deep breath and just kind of, you know, be a little bit more relaxed about it. Um, the, the better the results have been for me. And I'm not saying that's everyone, you know, if obviously if it looks like sunset's going to blow up and <laughs> you're not at the spot you want to be and you want to run over to, to, <laughs> to a certain rock formation, you know, I'm not saying don't do that because your photos are going to look bad. Definitely, you know, if you're trying to beat the sunset, go for it. But um, I found that, yeah, just slowing down the whole process and trying not to worry about it, trying not to stress out about it, that's when I've gotten my best results. So maybe that's, maybe, you know, when somebody looks at me, they're like, he doesn't even have his camera out. What is he doing? You know what I mean? I don't know. Hey guys, I just want to pause real quick to tell you about today's sponsor for the podcast, and that's visualwilderness.com. Visualwilderness.com is a place you can go to find tons of resources to help you improve your photography and become a better nature and outdoor photographer. You can find things like articles, you can find things like courses and in-field and post-processing tutorials, and you can become a member with a monthly subscription of very cheap per month to get access to everything on that platform. I'm a contributor to that site, and right now for a limited time, you can get my courses on post-processing for 33% off if you use the code David33 during checkout. If you want the links to that, you can go to this episode or any episode on davidjohnstonart.com slash podcast. Do you find relief in practicing time-lapse and video and not just photography? Like, I feel like it would give you a little bit of a break to see things in a different way, incorporating that movement into your work. Yeah, I've gotten burnt out on things um, before. Just that I think that's one of the reasons I've tried every single possible style of photography I could. 
um, is just because I, I get the tendency to get a little bit bored. Um, I don't ever get bored to the point where I'll never try something again. Um, but I do get bored if I do the same thing over and over again. So in a sense for me, video, time-lapse, aerial, macro, all these different styles of photography has helped to keep things less mundane and keep everything a little bit more fresh for me. And I know, you know, I was told early on when you're building your portfolio, stick to one thing, be the best at that one thing. But I humbly disagree. I think, you know, having variety and just doing doing what makes you happy. And if you want to shoot, if you want to shoot portraits and landscape and product, go for it, shoot, shoot whatever you want, you know? Um, so anyways, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I've done to, to, um, yeah, just keep things interesting, not get bored. You promoted a time-lapse course that you have coming out. Um, how much work went into that? Because it looked like really high quality production of infield work. Oh my gosh. That that course is so much work. <laughs> We've been working <laughs> on that thing for 3 years. Um Wow. Not not like you know, not full time for 3 years, but I mean we've been putting work in and doing these courses and it's been so yeah, it's been you know, I don't think I realized how much work that was going to be um when when I first started. I didn't realize it was going to be 2020 and we'd still be like finalizing that to be released that you know i think i think all of us you know me and the the filmer and and the person who's helping produce it like i think we thought well we could probably have this out in a year and we just kept finding things we needed to change or we needed to refilm parts of it and um yeah that's been probably the hardest thing and the most long-term project i've i've really ever had to work on is, is that course. So when it comes out, I hope, I hope people like it. (laughs) No, (laughs) was there a point during shooting where you were like, man, this is going to take a lot longer than I thought it was going to take. Um, Hmm. You know, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe when we were doing the first few classes, I realized it's really hard to, it's okay. So it's really hard to get a good time lapse and also teach people how to get a good time lapse mm. when you're usually battling conditions and variables and time. Like, even if we would get there three or four hours, even five or six hours before sunset or before sunrise, I still found myself racing to get the shot because there was so much more teaching involved and so much more setup. And then you're still trying to do the same things that always happen, like troubleshoot gear, um, you know, conditions are changing, so you have to switch it up. And um, so that was the big challenge with time lapse. I, I think, you know, I've done some photo tutorials and I found them just a little bit more, a little bit easier, uh, especially with less gear having to deal with less gear and less setup time because you know setting up a three-axis motion controlled time lapse of of the sun rising over some mountains it already takes quite a bit of energy just to do that without the teaching aspect like that that takes quite a bit of time and effort to just do to get the actual shot but then you add the extra layer of teaching every single step of the process it is so much, it's, it's very mentally draining. I will say that. Um, 
but I'm, I'm really happy with the way everything came out. There were certain, you know, we filmed a lot of classes that just didn't work. You know, the conditions didn't line up. The shot didn't work. Um, something went wrong, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, it was quite a, quite a process. With your video courses, producing those and also doing like your time-lapse videos that you come out with, like I just watched your one on California last week. Um, do you put a lot of pressure on yourself to come out with something that's better than the last time? Um, may, maybe, well, I don't know. I did for a while. I don't think I do anymore. Um, like I have favorite projects of mine, like my favorite, I think my favorite time-lapse that I've done at least in the recent, at least recently was, um, the New York one. I just felt like I, I really captured the right emotion for that one. And, you know, I had a lot of, uh, people from New York hit me up and say, you know, they got pretty emotional when they watched that, especially when the memorial scene came up. Mm. So I was really proud of the way that one came out. Um, you know what? You're not going to hit it out of the park every single time. Like you're not going to make, I, or at least maybe some people will, but I just, the more years you do something, it's, it's really hard to just top it every single time with every single image. And I've just found as long as I'm proud of the results, I just try and be as proud of the results as I can possibly be. I'm not trying to outdo what I did before. I might, you know, try and switch it up and create new techniques and keep it fresh, but um, yeah, I don't think I'm trying to outdo myself every single time. I'm just trying to be proud of the work that I'm creating and know that I put in that I put in all the effort I could possibly put in. Like I, I really do, you know, with that last, uh, California time-lapse, it was funny. It was ready to go that, that time-lapse. It was ready to go a few days before I released it. And then I watched it over and I found a little mistake, tiny little mistake in one of the clips. Probably no one's going to notice. And then I was like, okay, I'll go back and re-edit it. And then I re-edited that little spot and then I, um, exported the video and then I noticed another mistake. And I was like, okay, I'll go back and re-edit. And if you look at the file name, it says final, 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 final about 20 times. I recut that thing 20 times for the 20 different mistakes I found over the course of four days before I actually put it online. Um, that, that would, you know, and when I put that out, I'm like, okay, I put the max amount of effort. Like I, I really did my best to make sure, um, that, that, yeah, this is as perfect as I can make it right now. And I'm sure in a year, maybe even in a month, I'm going to look at that video and be like, ah, there's something I could have done differently, but you know what? You can't, you know, you can't go back and change it. I'm not going to just like wait another year, um, to put it out. Um, because I've been doing that f way too much. Like I have so many time-lapse videos th that I'm working on, like probably 10 time-lapse videos from all different countries. And I keep putting, I keep putting off releasing them for that same reason. And I need to just suck it up and be like, look, this is what I did at this point in time. Um, and, and I put the max effort I could into it. I can't just hold on to the, the films for like another two or three years and then, move on to something else because I've, I've definitely done that and I've been trying to be a little bit better at, at just releasing them, making sure that, that I, I see the mistakes that I can fix at that time and not worry about the rest of it. You know what I mean? Would you call yourself a perfectionist? 
a little bit. Um, yeah, a little bit. That's probably why I haven't really like. Here's a, here's an example. I have a San Francisco time lapse that I've been working on, and I've been working on it since before I moved here. I moved here in 2013. I have clips from 2012 that started this whole thing. I've made now 30, 40, maybe even 50 different edits of a San Francisco time lapse. And I could have released any of these edits from 2012 to now. That's eight, you know, eight years of making all these different edits. And every single time I looked at the film and said, you know what? I need to change that. I need to change this. I need to change that. And I spent eight years doing this. I should have just put out the film in 2012 and made a new one now because now I have hours and hours of time lapse of San Francisco. I could make like three or four San Francisco <laughs> time lapses over the years, but I just keep putting off releasing that footage. And it's it's to my own detriment. I should have done this. Um, this is not advice for anyone of how to, you know, how to do this stuff. But uh, yeah, I just kept looking at the video saying, you know what? No, I need to add this scene. I need to change that. Nah, I'm not really feeling the song. I need to make a new cut. Um, eventually, I'll put one out. Hopefully, I'll have a San Francisco time lapse out 2020, maybe 2021 if I like find a few more scenes I want to capture. But it's been far too long of me putting off making this. And I think it's it is a little bit of perfection perfectionist uh tendencies but it's it's not a good thing it's to a detriment for sure because these are things that most people are not going to notice i don't think it's really interesting you say that michael because a lot of people who contact i know a lot of photographers who teach uh workshops or online classes always say people contact them saying that they captured this image, but there's just one slight thing wrong with it. And mm -hmm. for that reason, it gains dust on their hard drive and it's never shared. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. <laughs> I'm guilty of that for sure. I have images that I don't release for like years and years and years until I find the right processing that, that's going to work for the images. Um, I would say I'm maybe a little bit more of a perfectionist for the time-lapse films and the aerial films and the live, you know, action films than I am with photography. Um, I think it's easier for me to feel better about finalizing an image than a time-lapse film. Maybe it's because um, there's just so much more, like I put so much more time into the films than I do into making a single image, like a single image I could e probably edit in a few hours, maybe have it done in a day. Whereas th these films are taking weeks, months, years to, to really finalize and create. So yeah, I, you know what, if I, I think with photography, maybe it's a little easier to find those mistakes and, and correct them, but I'm guilty of that too. I have so many images on my hard drive that I need to go back to that are like 90% process that, you know, may never see the light of day. I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely that person as well. Is there a point in the process of creating that, whether you are filming, time-lapsing, or just going out to take photos where you can envision that final result? Is that kind of how your mind works? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I usually try and like, well, some things are spontaneous for sure. Um, some projects are totally spontaneous. 
um, whether it be with the time lapses or the photography, you just are out in field and something great happens and you're like, wow, this is so great. I, you know, never thought I would be capturing this. Um, but you know, I try and plan things out. Like when I was doing that New York time lapse, I had, I had things planned out pretty well. I knew the locations I wanted to shoot. I knew the shots I wanted to get. I knew the progression and the story I wanted to tell through the, through the footage. And it did take me, um, well, I, yeah, it took me two years to make that one. I think two years. Yeah. Um, because I just didn't have the exact footage I wanted. Uh, so I had to take three or four trips to New York to get the the right shots to finalize the piece. But I had a pretty good sense of where that video needed to be early on. Um, but yeah, again, it's it's kind of it depends. Some projects are just you find some projects you find along the way and then some projects you plan out and you know exactly what it's going to be beforehand. It, it really depends. Well, that's a long way to travel to New York to film that, too. Yeah, I, I was lucky where, you know, I've I've gone there a few times for some commercial projects. And then I've also gone there um, twice for fun, too. So I would just go there for fun. And I went to a Photo Plus conference there mm-hmm. or con- convention there. Um, and w- once the convention was done, I stuck around and shot for a few days some of the locations I, I missed the, the first few times around. So, um, yeah, I, I've had to do that quite a bit, actually. Like, I... I've been to the Faroe Islands now twice and I don't have a finalized cinematic piece from there. Um, I, I think maybe the second time around I've gotten the things that I wanted and I just haven't quite pieced it together the way it needs to be pieced together. But if I find that, you know what, there's still something missing from that video, I'm probably going to have to go back. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's just part of it. Um, There's some times where you can't, where it's just, you can't go back um, given a certain situation. But yeah, with, with some of the pieces, I'll, I'll plan to go back and redo more. Like I have a Seattle time-lapse too that I, I really want to work on. I, I have a lot of footage from there, but there's just not enough. There's, there's a few things I got to go back there and do before I can release a time-lapse for that, for that uh, city. Starting when you're 16, how old are you now? Uh, uh, 29. Sorry, I don't know Seriously. why I had to think about that. <laughs> I no, the older I mean, I'm only 3 years older than you and I still do like every single year I'm like, am I 30 yet? I'm, oh, I'm 32. Okay. <laughs> um do you, how do you stay motivated like you've been doing this for so long but you're still so young and obviously you have a lot of road in front of you to go. Staying motivated is something I feel like a lot of people would have a problem with. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, and this kind of goes back to the first thing I said, um, when we were talking about how I got into photography, you know, I got into photography and kept with it because it was my favorite thing to do. So Mm -hmm. fun. Like every time I went out to take pictures, the process was incredible and I had fun and it, it made me happy. And you know, it still does. Uh, when I go out and take pictures, I, I feel that happiness. I feel that warmth and I could be having a really, really bad day, like just a bummer of a day. And if I can go out and take pictures and, or, or even just, you know, edit pictures and edit video, you know, my day gets a little, a little brighter. So, um, that's kind of how I've kept the motivation. And, 
again, it's just how I express myself. Like some people can express themselves through sports and some people can express themselves through like writing and literature. Um, there's plenty of other ways that people express themselves like musicians. And um, that's how I express myself. That's how I get out all my thoughts and my ideas. And um, I have to. So it's it, it. I have to to do this. I have to be a photographer. I have to or I have to be an artist in general. It's it's not like a, you know, I have to stay motivated. And the thing is, I have lost my motivation over time. Um, little little times here and there where where I've gotten burnt out or lost the motivation. I've found ways of keeping that motivation or getting it back. Um, you know, but but overall, I'd say I'm I'm still just as inspired to to keep creating art as I was the first day I picked up the camera. And I really hope. I don't see it changing, but I really hope it doesn't change. How do you get that motivation back? I know a lot of people are going to gain a lot of value from however you answer this. Yeah, I, I wrote an art. So, okay, so if I forget something, I did write an article about this a few years ago on my website about how to deal with creative block. And there are a lot of ways that I've um, come up with over the years of keeping my own inspiration. Um, and there's a bunch of different ways, right? It's like switching up your craft a little bit, trying something new. You know, maybe you've never done aerial before. Do try taking some aerial pictures. Maybe you've never done macro photography before. Go ahead and you know rent a macro lens and try and take some awesome abstracts or or insect images. So things like that, of course, those are the more obvious ones. Like switch up what you're doing to keep it fresh. But um, you know, I I found for myself sometimes I just need a nice little break. Um, and the best thing that I've found for myself to keep inspired or to refresh that creative energy is to leave the camera behind and to go for a nice big hike um, or just go explore, like go explore on foot, uh, slow it down too, and just observe your surroundings. Look at stuff. Look at the way the light bounces off the trees. Look at the different formations, the shapes, the colors, and do it without the camera. Do it with literally no pressure to take a good image because sometimes when we put on a camera bag and we pack that thing up full of a thousand dollars worth of equipment in there or more uh in the camera bag you're telling yourself okay when you go out you better take a, a good picture you're about to lug all this expensive gear out there you better you know take something good um whereas when you go for a nice hike without the camera and you just have your cell phone in your pocket you you don't have any of that pressure and you and you're free to look at things a little bit more objectively well, maybe not objectively because, you know, art is subjective and seeing things through photography is subjective. But um, sometimes what I'll do is just take like iPhone reference pictures and maybe I'll come back and explore those ideas with the camera later on. Or I'll find a new spot that I had never seen before and I was free to do it because I have no gear and I can just go climb around everywhere and have fun. And so recently that's been my biggest motivator is is hiking and exploring as much as possible without the camera. And sometimes I actually bought um, a Sony RX, little Sony RX 100 camera. It's a little point and shoot mm -hmm. fixed lens camera. That thing takes some pretty decent pictures, 4K video, and that thing fits right in my pocket. And sometimes I'll just bring that with me, no tripod. And if I see something cool, at least I can get an, a decent picture of it, you know. Uh, but I still don't feel that pressure of like, all right, I've got four lenses and I've got two cameras and I've got my time lapse stuff and I've got two tripods on my backpack and I'm carrying like 50 pounds worth of gear on my back. Like, 
when you take that stuff away, um, sometimes it can it can really help you out. It can help you see things a little bit more clear. That's that's my advice, I, and I I do hope it helps somebody out there. Well, he's Michael Shane Bloom. Michael, thank you so much for coming on and and chatting with us. Hey, thank you so much. Now, this was an awesome conversation. I, I really appreciate you having me on again.